I hosted an event last night. Someone was like, well, you know, there was this one thing. I don't know if you, I was like, you have to tell it to me. I need this more than any compliment. I need the critique. It will help me be bigger, better, and stronger. Give it to me. One of the most important things we can do for our own fulfillment is to bring people together, right? And, and not in a virtual way, in a real way, in a real tangible way, to be in the presence, to be the gatherer of friends and connections. And today's guest gives such a simple, simple framework and formula for being able to do that, for being able to remove all the, the stresses, the anxieties, the uncertainties of it. And not only that, he's willing to literally help you do it. He will uh, get on a phone call with you just to help you make it possible. So uh, this is going to be a fun one with a dear friend of mine who has helped me understand how better to gather people. And uh, I hope you enjoy our uh, nerding out about the best ways to throw gatherings and just bring people meaningfully together. Welcome to The Dream Beyond. I'm your host, Nick Tarasio. I'm a CEO, musician, and overall seeker of truth, inspiration, and simply put, how to live the most fulfilling life possible. Growing up surrounded by extremely wealthy and successful people gave me unique and unfiltered perspectives of those who have seemingly made it. And on The Dream Beyond, we're letting you in on what it really takes to achieve your dreams, what happens when it turns out your destination isn't the promised land you were expecting, and how to process the lessons from your past while mapping a course to true fulfillment. Let's get started. Hey guys, I'm here with author of The Two-Hour Cocktail Party, a step-by-step -step handbook that teaches you how to build big relationships by hosting small gatherings. He's also been featured in the New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, and New York Magazine called him a host of culturally significant parties. And he's had over 75,000 watches on his TEDx talk about why he hates most museums. Please welcome my buddy, Nick Gray. Thanks for being here, Nick. Thank you. I'm excited to talk about hosting and gatherings and all that stuff. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, we have obviously the, uh, the aviation connection as well. Just wanted to mention that that's one of the ways we got connected. A mutual friend was like, hey, you're in aviation. He's in aviation. You should know each other. And that normally doesn't work. But I was like, I actually really like this guy. Yeah, I think I saw you at MBAA one year um, or something like that. Yeah, it, it's a small world in the social world of New York City that has that. Because usually, right, they're two totally separate worlds. And so exactly. that was a neat overlap. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was cool to meet someone who, you know, I, I recently did an episode that was kind of on the the portfolio life. This idea that many of us are multi layered and diverse, and that's been something that prior generations would say, "Don't do that. Put all your eggs in one basket. Be really good at one thing." But I always appreciated that you're into so many different things, and I've been to your parties. Your parties are always amazing. The people are always interesting and diverse as well. And so I'm kind of curious to go way back, which is, when you were little, what did you dream you'd be when you grew up? I wanted to own a baseball card shop. I loved baseball cards and comic books. I actually got a job working illegally at a baseball card shop in Dallas, Texas, because I was too young to work there legally. So they would pay me like under the table in baseball cards and comics. It's the first job I ever had. I think I must've been like 12 or something. Amazing. What, what drew you to that? What was the bigger dream there? I think it was the business side of it, of the of that the cards had value and there was money and it was like building a little bit of like wealth as a 12-year-old, like having all these baseball card collections. It was interesting. That's really cool. And how does that how does that relate? I mean, again, I've known you in so many contexts with the parties, Museum Hack, the books, like it's 
does that relate somehow? Do you see how that entrepreneurial spirit and an attraction to wealth generation has kind of laid into the other things you've done? Now, just like I collected baseball cards, I mean, I kind of think about collecting people and trying to meet the most interesting possible people that I can. And it's something that really lights me up. And I'm still, I got to have a call this morning with somebody that I sent a cold email. This person didn't know me from anybody, didn't know any of my friends or anything. It's been a long time since I've sent a message like this. And like two weeks later, he wrote back and we got to have a phone call today. And so I love that. I get inspired by folks that I can link up with and meet. When you think about, you know, this transition from baseball cards have wealth to now people have wealth, was it a glorious journey of things getting better or were there dark moments where you're like, oh, I might have miscalculated at times and there were, there were harder times of transition? Definitely in my 20s, I didn't have any social life. I was very focused on our family business and working six or seven days a week. I loved it. I'm not saying it was like a sad story, but I had like no social life, like probably didn't even know somebody. I mean, knew one or two guys that I could call to hang out with on the weekend. But even that was hit or miss. And so, yeah, I think that time as I look back on it, I say, hmm, I don't know if that was the best decision. Fair enough. Um, what was the turning point for you? I think eventually I decided I moved to New York City with the intent of really making a go at meeting people and having a social life. I was in my late 20s. I don't remember if there was like one particular thing, but it was a general idea or, hmm, this probably is not healthy to be living a lifestyle like this. And eventually something happened and I decided to move. What I've always been intrigued by about you is like, I have a hard time pinning whether you're an artist or a business person, right? Like even at like that 12 year old self, you're like, oh, there's like an entrepreneurial nature of I want to generate value. Um, but then this thing, you know, museum hack is like such a creative approach to visiting museums. And I think a lot of what you've done and a lot of the ways you've shown up, it's like a real creative endeavor. How do you identify between those two things? I really wanted with Museum Hack, so I had this business called Museum Hack that did renegade museum tours at some of the biggest museums in America. And we led people on these very interesting, different, unique museum experiences that were fun and saucy and filled with gossip and had very good tour guides. And the art of that was I never wanted it to be a business. I, it was just a hobby. So it was just something I did for fun. I wanted to get really good at it. And I think that's where everything starts for me is, is something that I truly want to make for my friends that I would be proud of. So putting yourself out there is also something I've seen you do really well. I mean, there's, uh, I still have a little bit of a fear of how much of the kimono I want to open up, right? It's like, I, I, I want to be present on social. I want to be known for who I really am. But there's like always this line that everyone has to choose of, this is how much of me is allowed for public consumption. I feel like you go pretty far into the like, my, my life's kind of on display. I'll come to your parties. You could see what I'm up to. Here's me celebrating at a water park for my birthday. Has that ever been really scary for you? Like I'm kind of under, I'm trying to understand how you had the courage just to be like, this is all of me. Or is there like a secret, is there a secret box in there that we don't know about? I've been online for a long time, a lot longer than most people have. And so I really grew up with the internet and with personal publishing. And so it is an area that I feel more comfortable in. But oh my God, dude, I feel the same way. The first time I got on TikTok, I was like, this is so cringe. I still, still I post stuff that feels very, very cringe. So it's constantly, constantly exploring. For me, 
the sharing is a way to stay relevant and to stay as part of the discussion. And it is something that I still invest a lot of time in. Have you had anybody criticize you or have you had people that care about you ever say like, that's too much? I think so. Yes. The other day I went to the gym and I had a late night the night before and I didn't eat breakfast and I was at the gym and I'm sure I drank a coffee on an empty stomach and I was just like ripping out some tweets that were mildly unhinged and someone who I like didn't know wrote back and they're like, bro, are you okay? And I was like, oh yeah, like I should go outside. I should like get off my phone and go outside and walk around in the nice sun, fresh air. I think that I am willing to make mistakes and some of my most popular famous reels that have gone viral, the comments are filled with haters, absolutely filled with haters. And if you're not willing for people to make fun of you, then I don't think you'll be successful. Have you always been pretty resilient to that kind of stuff? I think so, yeah. It's good parenting maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I had great parents. I'm not sure what it is. Um, I think being online for a lot, just being online, like on the internet for so long, that certainly helps. With Museum Hack, you know, I would pass out feedback forms at the end of the night and I would be, you know, you hear thank you, amazing tour, like 20,000 times. But if someone's like, well, there was one thing I didn't really like, I'm like, huh, tell me, tell, please, I need that. Tell me what that is. I host an event last night someone was like well you know there was this one thing i don't know if you i was like you have to tell it to me i need this more than any compliment i need the critique it will help me be bigger better and stronger give it to me so i'm like that stuff i thrive with i like that is there anything that someone shared with you where it actually like it got you you're like damn that actually really hurt or like it still circles in your head from time to time not that I think of, you know, I have like a little gap in between my teeth. Um, and sometimes folks would be like, clean your teeth. Um, and I'm like now self-conscious. I'm like, dang it. I'm gonna have to get that stupid gap fixed. Aren't I? <laughs> what else? They're just hilarious stuff that people say. Like one of the, um, one of my things was like, you know, why you need to have name tags at events and parties and why you need to have structure. And someone made the comment, which was like, the gist that they were sort of comparing it to is like, uh, I'd sooner kind of take party advice from you like I would gym advice. And they're like, you got any workout tips, big man? And I thought that was hilarious. Sometimes it's the roasts that are so good and I show them to all my friends. It's They're good. They're good. They're good. I love them. That's great. I don't know if I would be able to take that as well as you do. So I, I appreciate that invitation. Uh, man. So continuing forward into, you know, again, you, you, you kind of have done many different things that I, uh, you know, I believe what you do, what you, what you did with museum hack was about creating a really special experience for people. What you do in your, at the parties I've been to again, creating a really cool context and structure. So I don't have to be thinking about how I show up at a party. And then, you know, the guidance that you have in the book, I've literally taken your templates and just said, I'm following this to the T. It makes my life so much easier because like even ratios like how much of this do i need to buy for this many people and you're like this is the ratio this is the stuff to order on amazon everything to the t i was like i'm following it it was so helpful for someone like me who just wants to get it all perfect um and so i you know again i'm just curious what advice do you have for people that are you know trying to 
find creative ways to 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 connect because again it's like so you I've, I've actually told other people i'm a nick i hang out with a lot of nicks but i say you're the most nick nick i know i don't know why that is but like you just okay. are so gave yourself permission to be you where a lot uh, of other nicks that i know are like well we kind of need to play it safe and mask a little bit uh-huh dude you're a good host in yourself so i appreciate the compliments but even as long as i've known you i remember going to a madison square park birthday party that you hosted and there was dancing there was like tables set up with food and you know the average person would be like wow did nick like rent this out or how did i think you just crashed it yes and that's right yeah right all right i think you just crashed it and just had all your friends show up and so you've been a host for a long time so, so i appreciate the compliment but i also want to recognize in that it is a very unique thing to bring people together and we all have our different styles. And to the extent that I've found some framework that logistically is very helpful to let people set it and forget it, that's what I like. But I'm inspired by, um, I know you've been doing a lot of music gatherings, even at that one party, but I know you play an experiment. Have you been doing any new stuff with music at your gatherings or events? Somewhat, yes. Yeah. So, uh, what, first of all, anytime I go to any conference group anywhere, like I just went to a retreat up at Omega. I don't know if you're familiar with it, upstate New York. They have, it's like, uh, it's pretty woo-woo, but I went for a lucid dreaming five-day course. And they had a guitar in the cafe, so I just played the guitar and like gathered people around for like live music karaoke. So I no always way. find that inserting music into unexpected places is really fun for me. Last night I had a actually a gathering of people here and we did a little bit of that too. Um, I've gotten really into sound meditation, guiding people through like deep, deep meditations of getting to know themselves better. So I, I really do like this idea of growing up, I would always have music on no matter where I was. I was like, I want like, you remember those like waterproof CD players that they used to yeah. have for the shower? I had, yeah. I had music everywhere, shower, car, really? wake up, go to sleep. There was always music on. So I'm like, I, I just like sneaking music into places. So for me, mm -hmm. that is very much the glue and i've also found that when i play music people know they don't have to think about what to say they could just sing along to the words so in a lot of ways that's why i was drawn to your parties because you were like this is the uh, like this is the agenda for the night you don't need to worry about who you're talking to or how we're mm -hmm. all going to go around and like share something in a circle so it's interesting to see that the guardrails and the structure actually gave me the ability to be more myself i was wondering if you could help me i did an event yesterday as well and i had a musician that i hired and I want to get a sing-along to end my parties. And people loved it. We did it last night. But between you and me, I felt like we didn't perhaps have the full-throated participation of all of the attendees. Because frankly, it was weird, right? I hosted like a half-day workshop. And at the end, it was like a surprise sing-along. But I want to experiment with that because I've done it sometimes before at my other events and it crushes. And I'm just curious if you have any tips. And it, I'm sure that some folks who have not hosted a lot are listening to this and they're like, these guys are insane. They're talking about sing-alongs at parties, but know that this is a very advanced move and you have to read the room. But when it works, oh my God, it works. Yeah, so I've I've two approaches to that actually, and I love that you're turning it around on me. This is awesome. Like I actually like that we're 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 serving the concept of parties in general, whatever it takes. Um, so two things. One is I think that people really love 
a shocking moment, right? Like it's like, wow, I didn't expect like my go-to is Bohemian Rhapsody. So I will I will play Bohemian Rhapsody on the guitar. I will divide the room. I'll make people sing the different parts. It's the song that no one knows that everyone knows. And so doing that with the the cameras come up, people can't believe that we're all singing Bohemian Rhapsody. So that crushes every time. I've never had it fall flat ever. And I've done it, I don't know, a hundred times in different contexts. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It just, it's, and again, it's more like people are like, I've never, no one could believe that it could be done on an acoustic guitar. Yes. And so I, I believe that that's one way to do it. The other way to do it is like partly what's so fun about that song, it gets people laughing at themselves, right? Because it's like, you know, magnifico. Like you're just like, oh, I'm like saying these funny things and singing high and singing low and t- uh-huh. I'm not taking myself so seriously, which by the way is one of the notes I wrote down. I love that you don't have, like you don't take yourself too seriously. Then you can be engaged and you can be fun. Um, the second thing I like to do is, and I do this in the sound meditation is, I'll actually do some different vocalizing with people where I'll first say like, all right, we're going to just play a chord and everyone's just going to hum any note they want. And so everyone's got their mouth closed and they're humming. I'm like, now we're just going to start to open our mouth a little bit. And I can see who's holding back and feeling insecure. And I'll say like, listen, you may have a voice coming up right now that's saying like, I'm embarrassed. I feel silly. This is a really weird thing to do this. That person's going to know I have a bad voice. So I'm like, now everybody try to touch your tongue to your chin and now make whatever sound comes out of your mouth. And everyone's like, ah, right. They just like start making weird noises. Wow. And then I'm like, cool. If you feel like you want to laugh, laugh, like, let's just have fun with this. Shake your face around, do weird things with your face, see what weird sounds you could get to come out. And then after that, then I guide people into like, now let's actually start harmonizing, which is like the rule that I saw, which was so cool. Make a note that is different from everyone else's note around you. So then you're like, oh, I want to actually be a unique note. And it just makes this weird cacophony of sound that fills the room. You're like, whoa, this actually feels really special. So I've been really trying to overcome that resistance to participate. Like, how can I make this like, this isn't about being good singers, which is also why yes. I hate karaoke. Karaoke sucks when you're there with someone who's like, oh no, I'm just a Broadway singer, uh, you know, on the side. You're yes. like, I don't want to be, I don't want to see this. This isn't fun. Yes. So. Dude, I could, I would love to play with that in a live event situation. And again, if you're listening to this and you're a new host, know that we are going into the ultra advanced, vulnerable red level state that Nick <laughs> reads the room very well. I'm guessing you never do this at the beginning. I mean, with the exception of the sound meditation, but folks kind of come to that. But with Bohemian Rhapsody, I'm guessing you do it at least an hour in where people have built some rapport, they've loosened up a little bit, they're willing to be a little more vulnerable. And this just takes it from an eight like to an 11. And if I could learn how to do that, that would be amazing. Yeah, I, and also when you're, when you're back doing an event in New York, let me know and we could test drive some of this stuff. That would be cool. I'd be totally down. I always love finding different ways to use music, like any form of music to bring people together or create connection. You know, normally I'd be like, well, we shouldn't have this, you know, we'll edit this out. But like, no, I want people to see like, this is really how you do it. Like you're one of the people that is like, I'm never done refining. I'm never done optimizing. There's always more that can be done. Like when you said before, tell me, give me the feedback. Don't just tell me it was awesome. Like, tell me what I could do to make this better. I feel like your book seems so simple, but to think about it, it's like, it's probably hundreds and hundreds of little refinements over time. Yes. Tiny, tiny little things. Um, I would rather have someone, there's much less point and emphasis on the food in my book. And I find that most new hosts believe that they have to overspend on food and make this insane spread 
But the secret is, is that I would rather have someone leave one of my parties hungry rather than bored. And so I spend all my time thinking about the people and the conversations and very little. I mean, if you look at the spreads at my parties, it's really nothing. And the reason is because I don't want to stress about the food. I want people, and the reality is at a good event, people are talking, they're mixing, then mingling. We oftentimes eat and drink when we're bored. And so that's also something that holds people back from hosting. And you yeah. probably host a lot enough, similar to me, that like we could just do it now with our eyes closed because we have the, the muscle memory of welcoming people into our space, what music we play, what we do to kind of prep and get ready for it. And my whole mission was to write a formula or like an operating system for gathering to help other people learn how to make that easy. By the way, have you switched to Partyful for your event stuff, invitations? Yeah. That's good, right? Yeah, it's super simple. It's by yeah. far the easiest platform we found. Yeah. Uh, so I, I have been playing with that, but you're right. You're touching on this. Like there's so much resistance that, that had come up with. I want to throw more parties. I want to get people together. But it is a huge investment if I am focused on the food. And I'm engaged to uh, a woman who very much values that stuff. So like our, our early resistance to this was like, no, if, she would say to me, like, if people are coming to our apartment, there's going to be good food. And I'm like, okay, we'll have to do that. So in that way, we're, we're not going to be able to honor Nick's formula. But you're right. I don't think anyone actually cares that much. But I know for my fiance, it was like, even if they don't care, that's the kind of experience I want to create. So I'm like, that's you. Like, we'll do jazz. We can do that. I'm yeah. okay with that. But I yeah. never want that to be, we're not going to host because I don't really yes. want to pump $300 into food. So the other thing, like last night I, I just hosted and I decided I'm, I'm really a fan of the potluck. Like it's another way of just like, we do want to have more food. People do want to eat and break bread around a table, smaller format. It's obviously only going to be like eight or 10 people. But I like that idea of the potluck and then we, you know, we provide the drinks and desserts. And we're like, you know, bring something that really is like your comfort food. So there's also a little bit of personality in it. But I, I do think a lot about that. The, the, the hardest thing for me has always been, I'm going to overorder food. I'm going to underorder food. People can't eat the things. It's all this like dietary restriction stuff we need to deal yeah. with. So I, I still am thinking a lot about like what other ways I could do it. But yeah, again, it's, I'm super formulaic. And, and for anyone that's listening, truly, I, I, this is like, one of the things I actually did, like I took your book and I just, I read the whole thing. I pulled out all the checklists and I was like, this is going to be my blueprint. And then again, I can modify and amend based on like how I feel about certain things. But one of the things I had the, the most resistance on besides the food was like, are we really going to end two hours in? Are we really going to kick people out? And I needed to hear that. I mean, I actually went to three, don't hate me, but, uh, one of the challenges also like people are going to be here too late. We don't want to do it because it's going to screw up the whole night. We're going to end up like not having the energy the next day. And I like that. It's like, no, we're ending at this time. If you uh -huh. leave and, and you feel like it was too soon, good, you'll come back next time. You'll want more. Yes. I, re I really like that permission as well. So did you set the party time as two hours and then just hang out late and it was three hours or did you set the time as three hours? I set it at three. Oh, you set it at three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Did I think you I actually find set it at three for that. That, that, that the three hours, I always worry that when I do a three hour time, it extends the awkward zone and the awkward zone is that first 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes. I found when I did a two hour time limit, even if we went late, so even if I did like six to eight or seven to nine and I knew that we'll hang out later, I found that by setting the two hour time, more people showed up on time 
because they're like, well, shoot, if I show up 30 minutes late, I'm going to miss like a quarter of the party. And so now I will usually host still for two hours, but at the two hour mark, I'll make an announcement. I'll say, thank you, everybody. The party's officially over. If you have to go now, I just want to say thank you so much for coming. And for those that are still here, you know, we can hang out and have one more drink or say hey to somebody new. And then I'll let it go on a little bit more. But at the beginning, I do want to show people how to end a party because that's another one of the reasons why people don't host more often is they end up, it just destroys their sleep schedule or their apartment or whatever. They're like, oh, people are going to stay over till 2 a.m. and they never end up hosting. That's a really good point. I mean, I, I really, again, there was stuff that you shared that I'd never thought about before. Like this idea of, can you find like five close friends? I forgot what you call it, but like getting that inner circle of friends that are like, until you guys commit, we're not even putting a party together. Cause at least if you're coming, I'm a winner. Right. And so I would actually tell those people they had to be there a little early. So instead I'd say like, come a few minutes Smart. early, let's catch up. So we're coming into the party with already the people I enjoy being there. Like yeah. my closest friends are there, right? And so that was a little bit of the hack around that. But I like this idea of like, I, I remember uh, I had, I really did not understand parties. And when I first moved to New York, I threw a party that was like 5 p.m. to 11 p.m. And the first person that showed up was the only person that showed up for the first hour. And he was like a party planner type. He really knew how to do parties. He's like, dude, way too big of a window, way too big of a window. And I had never really heard that before. So this idea of like, can you really squeeze it down, make it that you get, especially in New York where everyone is kind of flexy on their time. That's, uh, that's an interesting thing. I, I, I would actually test that. I would test compressing it down to the two again and then just saying we'll kind of give a bonus round without them knowing about it. Five to 11 is an interesting time. I remember that there was a woman named Lindsay who hosted a birthday party and she lived in Soho. And I, it was the same thing. It was like five to 11. And I was like, well, I like to show up at the beginning but I'll be like 15 minutes late. Um, so I messaged her, I'm like, hey, what's up? I'm coming over, I'm nearby, like, let me know if you need anything. And she was like, what, you're nearby? Like, I haven't even, no, I'm still, I'm still in the shower, like I'm getting ready. And I was so frustrated. I was like, why would you say it starts then? But she just knew that people won't show up on time. It's that flexi window. It's interesting to think why people do that. I don't know what the purpose is. Yeah. Yeah, it's also, I like that idea of though, like motivating, how do you get people to motivate to come at the right time? Especially, you know, we, we've, we've been playing a lot with like all the sound stuff I do. Once you start the sound, I don't even let people in anymore. Like that's my new yes. rule is like, yes, I'm, you've got a 30 minute arrival time beyond that. I'm not letting you in. It kills the vibe. It completely kills the vibe. I heard somebody said that the best photographers never will do photo shoots with doors that are open. They, they make sure that the doors are always closed because the energy just leaks out. People get self-conscious, they're walking by, there's noises in the hallway, things like that. I bet it is that times a thousand with sound baths. Yeah, yeah, it, it will absolutely ruin it. Someone coming in and whispering like, where should I sit? And you're like, yeah. no, it's not gonna happen. Yeah. So kind of going bigger, I mean, first of all, I could, I could totally nerd out about this stuff forever. Me too, I find me too. I find as like someone that always struggled to understand why people do things and then setting up parties that kind of play to that and figuring out how do you, especially in New York, how the hell do you create something that's memorable in New York City, right? I think it's much, much harder to do. And I, I feel like when you throw a party, people go because it's like Nick's always got something that's going to be really cool. And I'm, I'm inspired by that so much so that I took some of that for my birthday on September 
ninth, I threw a party and uh, I didn't tell people what was happening after nine o'clock. I just said, it's going to get really weird. And that's all I said. I said, it's going to get really weird. And I was like, I wonder who's going to be in for it. And so we did an hour of improv at nine o'clock. Then we did a 30 minute death meditation. Then I had six or seven friends that were hand selected read eulogies about my first 42 years of my life. Oh my and I Lord. laid in a fake coffin. And then every, we went around the room and everyone shared what they were most excited about for the next year as if it was a rebirth. And that's pretty I, cool. It was wild. And I, and we were, <laughs> my fiance and I were like, this is not going to go well, but I really wanted to do it anyway. And at the end, the stuff we got from people was like, man, I don't normally think about my mortality, but I hope I live long enough to have more crazy nights like this, like to have parties like this that remind you it's actually about like real stuff and surprise and authentic connection. So, um, you know, I'm always, I'm always interested in kind of hearing edge cases and other things that people are up to, but that really all that stuff kind of came from your original stuff, all, like seeing how you did it, seeing your formulas. I was like, I wonder how weird I could get with my formula. How far can I push it? So thank you for that permission, by the way. The idea to do what you wanted to do on your birthday is so important because the day is for you, right? It's your birthday and your friends have to do what you want to do. That is the one day when you get to say, we are doing this weird stuff or whatever you want to do, right? Yeah. And so Tell us I about really, your birthdays. My birthday, uh, last year or two years ago, I rented out the water park, right? So I rented out this indoor water park and I took all my friends there because I love water parks and I love riding this fake surf machine. And that was so much fun. That was funny, by the way, right? Because I'm older and my friends are a little bit older. We were ripping the water slides nonstop, no lines. And then, you know, I had like a masseuse on staff because uh, we're all like torn up and like muscles, like like we're sore. Some friends were just like, oh, that was amazing. But I was so sore the next day. So that was very fun. Um, last year, I did something interesting. I usually make my birthday every single year a really big deal. And last year, I decided to do absolutely nothing. I just cleared my calendar. And I reveled in the nothingness of, uh, like as a gift to myself not to do anything. And I just had the best day ever doing things that I wanted to do. And I was reminded, I was just like, wow, there's really no reason I can't do this more often to like clear my calendar, just do what I want to do. I'm, I'm glad I got to do it on my birthday. And also, wow, good realization to do that maybe a little more often. Yeah. I mean, I, I imagine you, you default to doing a lot. You seem like yes. you're always up to something. Oh my God. I hosted an event last night. So I'm experimenting with conferences now. And so I hosted a half day workshop salon and I wanted to get my, my events out of the sort of after work happy hour mode and into the daytime session. So it was 1.30 to 5.30 PM. Really a test. Like, can I host an event in that time slot? Will people show up? Will they come to, you know, have a networking type event? And it was, it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot and I'm excited to keep playing in that space. So what is next for you? I'm actually curious because you're always up to so many different things. When you think forward of, well, one, I mean, you have such an extraordinary life. Like, do you feel like you've achieved your dream yet? Or is there something else that, that you're still after? 
I have such a blessed life. I mean, I have very, I'm relatively healthy. I, I have a roof over my head. I live a pretty minimalist life. Um, so I'm super thankful and I'm still exploring to figure out what's next. I sold my last company, Museum Hack, in 2019. I've been working on this book to try to get people to host their own events. Now I'm really going hard on the conferences and the larger things. I just did four conferences in four weeks with a variety of involvements with the conference organizers. And so for me, that was a lot of fun. And I just got off a call this morning with people brainstorming, how could we do icebreakers for 3,000 people? And so that for me is a challenge and it's one I want to explore more. And they said, oh, can we hire you for this? I said, look, I want to do stuff that's very hard. This sounds very hard. So I would like to, yes, let's keep brainstorming. Why do you like hard things? I like learning. I like learning stuff. I did an event recently where I was the MC at the open night party and I was competing with an open bar. And I told the host, I was like, there's a very good chance that I'm going to bomb. And I'm excited by that chance and possibility that nobody's going to listen to me. And if you're okay with that, I'm okay to do this plan that we have, but just know that it may absolutely fall flat. And I was just like, oh, this is exciting. This is really exciting. Now, I think I've just done so many events. I've literally hosted probably over 700 happy hours, cocktail parties, things like that. And so now I want the new, new. I want the challenges. So tell me the vision for the future. Like, is there some future event that you're really excited about? Or even if it's just like a loose concept, what, what what's driving you forward at this point besides just learning to learn? Yeah, there is a conference that happens that is called Dialogue that um, Peter Thiel started and it's kind of spun off into a new world now. But the idea is there's no keynote speakers, there's no panels, it's all small group discussion, sort of like an intellectual salon. And I want to get towards hosting my own one of those. Their event is two or three days long. I'll be hosting a full day event on November 30th, a one and a half day event on December 7th and 8th. So I'm like right now rapidly prototyping these events to see if I can play in that space. So that is the future, I think, of what I'm interested in. I mean, you probably go to a lot of masterminds or you know people who go to a lot of masterminds. So do I. I know of a lot of these. And there are some that are very good out there. And I'm just curious uh, how, just like with museum tours, I took an old idea and kind of flipped it on its head a little bit. How could I do that with these live gatherings? I mean, it just seems like there are people that are mischievous and they like to break rules to mess life up. I feel like you play with life, but everyone's the beneficiary of it. Like it's like, Ooh. it's like, it's, it's positive spirited. It's, it's really warm and kind. And, uh, you know, again, so much of like, while you are one of the more open people, there's a little bit of like an enigma to you. I'm like, why does he do all this stuff? Showing up at people's parties, following up. I'm like, you're working really hard. You're I working do. super hard at this stuff. And I, I love that it's like so grassroots. Like the average author would be like, oh, I'll get a team of people to do all this stuff for me. You're like, no, I'm going to your party if I'm in the city where it's happening. Maybe I'll even travel. Yes. Um, I, yes I and just, I call I my readers a lot. If they have their email and their signature, I will call them all. I've had hundreds of phone calls with my readers. And they're always shocked. They're like, why are you talking to me? I was like, because this is like the best part of my day. I love hearing these stories. <laughs> That's great. What do you hope to leave behind in all of this? If I just get more name tags used in more social situations, I think that's a win. Um, 
more rounds of intros and social gatherings, I get frustrated when I would go to a house party and I don't know who's in the room, right? And I don't want to ask the host, hey, can you walk me through every single person here so I know who I might be interested in talking to? And there's this assumption right now that that's selfish or that it is somehow negative to ask that. But I think we all have limited time at events and in our lives. And if I meet somebody who likes to ride this stupid surf wave that I do or somebody who likes to go to New York City and likes Broadway shows, I want to know that at an event so I can go up and talk to them about it. So I would love to be able to leave behind some of those frameworks for gatherings. And if I can inspire a few hundred people to do that, I think that'll be nice. Awesome. Well, I think specifically it's worth talking about. I, I wasn't going to go into the details, but I kind of feel like we should. There's like three things that really do stand out. I I love the idea of what you're talking about is when you would say, hey, it's time to let everyone know who's going to be at the party and write up a little intro about them. You're 100% right. When I would go to your events or parties that had that, I was like, wow, I actually know I have like a hook. I have a way to know that I like, hey, well, let's talk about this. I didn't know you were in music, but I'm also in music. So now we have something in common. So really Nick's framework of taking a little bit of extra time and letting people know who's going to be there. Also, they're more likely to come if they know that there's going to be very interesting people there that they'd want to talk to. I really, really like that. I did get, I think it was like a hundred percent participation in anyone I invited. That's awesome. Like was, That's great. It was like, good, right? it was like the first, yeah, like the first one, it was like literally a hundred percent of the people came. I'm like, wow, yeah, that is wild. Um, so I found that That's to be something really else helpful. I'm so passionate about, which is boosting the attendance rate for events. Because so many people all the time, oh, we had 30 people RSVP, you know, probably 15 will show up. And I'm like, what? No, no, something's wrong with that. If they RSVP, we got to get them to show up. So little things that I do to really boost us above 90% attendance rate is important to me. Yeah, it's incredible. And I think going back to the whole name tags thing, it was really a, a divisive topic in my household. So it's like, oh man, is it impersonal? But similarly, I'm really, I get a little anxious when I first connect with someone and we're like, what's your name? What's my name? I always feel like I'm going to mess up my own name. So I forget the other person's name. And yeah. I found it was really nice to know like, Oh, everyone has their name on. So I don't have to feel like after I had a long conversation, I'm like, Hey, you should meet. Ugh, I don't remember their mm -hmm. name. I found that to be really helpful. And I'm curious, like, what would you say? What, what would you say? Or like, if people just did one to three things that, that you really push for, what are the things that really move the needle in your mind? Uh, that idea that we talked about before with the core group, get in the first five people to say yes before you send out any invitations to get a double opt-in on the first five and say something like, hey, me and Nick are thinking of hosting an event on November 27th from 7 to 8 p.m. or 7 to 9 p.m. Uh, if we do it, would you come? And getting five people to say yes before you go forward, the number one fear for a new host is that nobody's going to attend. And so by getting those first five, that's a sense of confidence. If I had to pick two other things, I would say use name tags and do at least one round of introductions. And remember, a good intro is a fast intro. And so it's not just that we're hoping to spark new conversations, but also we use those icebreakers to end the existing conversations. Many people, yes, it's hard for them to start conversations, but it's actually harder for many to end conversations. They don't know how to exit speaking to someone when they're kind of done, they're way too nice. And when the host adds a little bit of structure and activity at an event, it helps people to end those conversations much easier. Yeah, I'm, I'm bad at the walk away. Hey. 
I've always admired. I heard like uh, Bill Clinton was really good at that. Like you'd tell oh, really? you know, someone would tell him a story. He would shake their hand, grab the back of their arm, like that really good handshake and yeah. then go, yeah, man, you're crazy. And then just walk away or like something like you'd like make some like sweet comment or like, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. And just walk away with that's such confidence. Good. I'm like, I can't do that. I feel like I'm going to somehow let them down or leave. Like they're going to feel rejected. So I stick around way longer than I want to. That's good. That's good. Are there, like, I'm actually curious, are there tips in your mind if you are stuck in a conversation with someone that you want to end, besides the room, like, you know, someone like you as a party host, ending it with, hey, it's time for us to circle up again and we're going to have another round. Uh, what other tips do you have for someone who finds themselves in awkward positions? The easiest way is just to go to the LinkedIn or the Instagram ad to, to make them feel seen, like you want to continue. And so I will ask, I'll say something like, oh, um, are you on social media? And they'll say, oh, I'm on LinkedIn or I'm on Instagram. Um, and then I say, oh, I'd love to add you. Can I add you here real quick? And so that is a way of seeing them saying, I like you. I'm going to add you now. And then it's very simple to wrap it up. Well, it was really nice talking to you. I'm going to go mix and mingle. Um, but I think by, by seeing them and acknowledging them and adding them, I'll add anybody. So I don't think too much about it. That's a great tool. I'm going to use that every time now. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> My LinkedIn's it's nice. about to grow. Um, yes. Yeah, so just kind of closing closing question. Um, you know, again, you've obviously helped a lot of people and I am wondering, fulfillment is really the whole driver of this show for me. It's like, how do we help more people experience fulfillment and not just chase it in the wrong places? Since you've had such a deep integration with the people who have hosted, can you tell me how fulfillment has shown up for people who have started hosting with your format? Oh my God, the best story I heard was a couple of weeks ago, this guy, he said, um, he said, look, I read your first, um, he said, I read your book, I hosted my first party, it was fine. He was like, if I'm being honest, it was like a six or seven, I was very nervous. He said, but then I hosted my second party and because I had already done it once, I had so much more confidence. And he said, it was just a 10 out of 10, it was one of the best experiences. But he said, later that night, I was doing the recap afterwards with my wife. And he said, my wife said, I've never been so proud to see you amongst your friends. This guy was for the first time ever in her eyes leading the room, gathering wow. people, being a leader among men. And it was, she got to see him in that moment. And so hearing stuff like that just lights me up. That's a big one. I'm going to sit with that for a moment. I really do think that it's also such an attractive quality, right? Seeing someone who not only leads a room, but leads a room to connection and with care and with kindness. That, that's huge. Where I think, you know, the, the stuff I grew up around, again, growing up in New York, I grew up around people that lead the room with like alpha energy and it's all about me. So mm -hmm. really be leading from a place of actually it's about everybody and I want everyone to participate. That's a beautiful story. Well, yeah. I, I uh, you know, again, I, I'm like fighting myself to stay away from technical, tactical questions because I'm like, man, I just want to like find all the optimizations. Um, but really my biggest takeaway from what you shared is, well, a few things. One is like really just that permission to not take yourself so seriously and have fun, have fun. And, you know, like we said on your birthday, like have your party, do what you want to do and just play, optimize, make little tweaks and adjustments, uh, really, really bring people together in your spaces if you'd like to. I mean, I think that there is something really special about bringing people into your home or bringing people into the space that you have. And as you said, like being a leader of friends, being a leader of community, I don't think that there's a better feeling I've ever felt. That is one of those times where I feel so much fulfillment. So for people that are looking for that, it doesn't have to be dreadful. It doesn't need to be so stress-filled. It's like borrow the formula 
right? Start from the formula, just do that. And then if you want to make tweaks and adjustments, you can do that from there. But uh, again, I can attest to it. It really did. You know, I, I run an airline, so like I can do pretty complex things and run hard projects. Parties stress me out still. And uh, to have that formula really helped me do it and gave me the confidence to not overorder, underorder, know how to get people there, not have to feel the rejection of I threw a party and people didn't show up for the first hour. Um, so Nick, thank you so much for helping us figure out how better to connect, gather, and just have more fulfillment in our lives. And if you're curious about what Nick's up to, you could check out again the book, The Two-Hour Cocktail Party, even more than that. And Nick, I'm actually going to let you speak about this. So because you do like to get involved, and you were talking about the idea of someone thinking about hosting a party, what is your invitation to them? Yeah, please send me an email. My address is nick at nickgraynews.com, nickgraynews, N-E-W-S.com. And I'll be your accountability partner. So if you're thinking you want to do it, you need a little help, or some motivational messages or something, send me a note and I'll help you out. It, it really does make me happy to hear from people that are hosting their first party. Just like Nick and I have found these insane benefits in growing our networks, the easiest way to do that is to start to host events and anyone can learn how. Yeah, and I, I just hope you're taking this in that like this is the most insane offer ever. It is so rare that an author is like, I will call you if I have to. I will come to your thing that you are doing and I will support you in it. And Nick, you've actually done that for me quite a few times when I was trying to host and I was like, I have questions on this. Um, so yeah, really, you should take them up on this. It's such an amazing, it's an amazing gift. And Nick, thank you so much for your time here. I hope people enjoy our very, both tactical and nerdy, but also big picture, exciting conversation. Thank you very much. More Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes, exactly. All right, take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Dream Beyond. I hope that you received whatever message or inspiration you were meant to get from today's episode. I had a great time recording it for you. If you love the show, please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review it. That really helps get the word out. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at instagram.com slash nickterrasio, linkedin.com slash in slash nickterrasio, or youtube.com slash nterrasio.com.